The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect those of the owner, staff, or management of this radio station. senses and challenge your beliefs a world where science and religion clash or do they you will meet real people and hear real stories but you will not believe you will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds but you will not believe this is the new england ghost project welcome to the nightmare whoa what happened ron Well, I guess Ron's just disappeared. So uh, while we wait for Ron to come back, uh, welcome to Ghost Chronicles International. I was going to say with Van Helsing, but he's not here. So you just got me uh, for the time being, uh, as Ron affectionately calls me, Mr. Parascience Steve Parsons. So uh, we've also got our... Uh, there's no point in me waffling to myself, so we might as well go direct to our guests. Uh, tonight we're joined by a fellow member... Oh, you're back! I never left. Just testing. Oh, you threw me one there. Well, go on. Then. I you wanted did to your see intro. how you could handle in the face of adversity. <laughs> I did all right, didn't I? You did fine. You did fine. Well, shut up, then. Well, I, I, uh, fellow I think SPR I'm going to change man. my name to Steve today, though. <laughs> I thought you'd fell off again like you did the other week. Uh, well. Yeah, well. Anyway, so anyways. Good, good evening, go Rob. Now, go on. No, continue. Well, you were introducing our guests. Oh, okay. Um, well, that was the voice of the uh, New England's own Van Helsing, who was there all the time. But tonight's guest is a um, fellow member of the Society for Psychical Research and a professional sound recording engineer who has been doing some very, very interesting work over the last, uh, ooh, I don't know, year or two. Um, s- recording the sounds within a seance room but more importantly locating the sounds within a, uh, a seance room and he's also been working with a SPR researcher on paranormal knocks and raps in relation to poltergeist cases so on the other side of England on St George's Day down in Essex uh, good evening Steve Hume Hello Steve I've no idea it was St George's Day it is St George's Day. Sorry about the intro. Ron threw me a curveball by pretending to be dead. Oh, I'll tell you right. Okay. Well, I'm sort of semi-deceased at the moment, but um, surviving. Okay. Uh, um, so, so, wait a minute. B- before you run away, what is what is, what is what is St George's Day? You just can't throw that out there. We don't know what this stuff is in the States. We're, you know, really ignorant. Well, We're not as smart as you guys. Well, if you hadn't interrupted, I was about to tell everybody. Oh. <laughs> St. George, April, April the 23rd is the patron, is the day uh, of, of the English patron saint, um, who is St. George, who has been our patron saint since the, well, for about a thousand years after replacing St. Edmund. His symbol is the well-known white, uh, white background with the red cross on it. 
uh, which is also the symbol on the English flag, as different to the British flag, the Union flag, which is the more familiar one. So, Do you uh, think we it really existed, Steve? I don't know. Um, so we said, why don't you just dig up a parking lot? I'm sure you'll find them. <laughs> so we celebrate that on April the 23rd. Um, although we don't celebrate it quite like the Welsh, the Irish, or the Scots, who just go out and get hammered because the English, the English are much more reserved than that. Yeah, no, um, just proved how got a guy I'm by not even knowing about it. So, uh, yeah, we well, see we don't celebrate it, do we? Um, <laughs> so, Steve, um, I've given you a bit of an introduction. Yeah. Um, do you want to give give uh, the uh, and particularly Ron a little bit of background about the work you've been doing? Well, uh, before you before you run into that, why don't we just re- rehash what parascience is again? It's a pseudoscience that you guys. Uh, Believe in it, your religion, right? Yeah. Uh, okay. The Church of the Parascience. Yeah, Parascience is an organization which is an abbreviation of paranormal science. It has nothing to do with pseudoscience. Oh, oh and in this organization, tell us a little bit about it, just for case someone's new turning in, tuning in. Parascience. Oh, I thought we were talking about the SPR. But anyway, Parascience formed in the God, the mists of time. Oh, I'm sorry, Steve. I thought parascience and SPR was the same. My, my apologies. Oh, no, you know, no, you... no, no. The Society for Psychical Research formed in 1882 um, from a group of Cambridge scholars and academics who were interested in the study of psychical research with a science focus. Okay. The Society continues to this day. It's the second oldest organization after the Ghost Club, which was founded in 1862. Which I am a member of, by the way. Which you are a member of. Um, and the Society for Psychical Research is probably the foremost academic psychical research group uh, probably in the world. Um, I would say so, yes. And is, is these days primarily concerned with matters relating to psychology and parapsychology, the ghost hunting and the spontaneous phenomena relating to the seance room and ghosts and haunting comes a little bit secondary these days. The the days of the ghost hunters um, staffing the SPR are somewhat over, but Steve is one of them, uh, as am I. So there are still there's still one or two of us lurking in the darkest recesses of the SPR. Um, for our American listeners, we do also um, there is also the American Society for Psychical Research, founded in 1884. Um, so not very far behind the British SPR, and re- strongly re- uh, linked and related to it. Um, I believe at the moment the ASPR is is dormant, um, and the, but. I understand that there are plans to, to revitalise it. Um, can I keep going now, Ron? Or are you going to? You're very me good. You know, no, I just you know every so often we have someone new turning turning in, tuning in, and we'd like to you know let them know what we're talking about. It's just rude to keep them in the dark, so that's why I brought that up. So carry on. Okay. So back to <laughs> hopefully, uh, Steve. Um, yes, yeah, so uh, <laughs> I know. I know from our conversations that you've been doing some very exciting, very interesting work within the sounds room. In my particular area of interest relating to sound, yeah. Um, do you want to bring everybody up to, and particularly our uh, our main host, um, 
and Master of Ceremonies up to speed on the sort of work you've been doing. Okay. And um, firstly, a brief uh, correction. I'm, I'm not a professional, uh, and I'm sort of semi-pro uh, at the moment. I've often thought about uh, going back to it. Um, I used to be a professional musician, and that's how I got into all this. Um, basically, um, as, you, as you're aware, Steve, a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago now, um, Barry Colvin uh, published his paper on... Um, on paranormal raps or, or paranormal sounds, um, most particularly raps, though. And um, I became interested in that because of my involvement with the Noah's Ark Society, uh, which you know about uh, quite a few years ago now. Um, because my, my particular area of interest for, for many years was um, you know, traditional phys- physical mediumship. And so... I had a great deal of, of, of experience with um, this sort of thing. And uh, but, but Barry's observations about them broadly agree with mine. Um, lots of people who've heard these sounds have commented that um, they do sound different um, to, to what you'd expect. Um, as a working musician, that there was in and out of recording studios of all sizes um, when I was involved in this. It often sounded to me as though um, it, re- it re- reminded me of when you start to compress things, um, particularly sounds of drum rim shots and stuff like that, and stuff like that. Um, when you apply compression and gating to them. There was a certain quality about them that just sounded different to if you wrapped your knuckle on on the sounds table. Um, Barry had looked at um, previous research um, and the comments of people who observed the same things, and uh, one or two researchers he claimed that he, what we know is the attack phase of recorded paranormal um, rap waveforms were different in, in some way under decay phase too and um, Steve yeah I don't I, um, I think we're having a wee bit of a problem with Skype you're breaking a little bit um, okay. I don't know if you one, one solution I found back here in, in rural Wales is uh, knock out anything like Internet Explorer. Um, um, I already have done. Okay. Um, um, am I breaking up? You're breaking up a little bit. You're breaking okay. up a little bit. Um, okay. So we're, well, we're losing some of the things, and with it being fairly technical, um, I, I think the danger is um, people are, I think we should you know, rewind a little bit. I think what we'll do is is we'll try recalling him back. Uh, so, uh, okay. Steve, the Steve, not the Parascience Steve, the SPR Steve, uh, can you hang up and they'll call you right back? Sure. Okay. Okay. All right. So, yeah, it was my, my bad as far as the SPR and, and the Parascience. Yeah, I forget you belong to both groups, and, and I knew you uh, were in the same group with him. Uh, Hello, is that better? Yeah, yeah. Okay, you can hear me, yeah? 
Yeah, we need it loud and clear. Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. And we'll, we'll right, hopefully it won't happen again. Right. Now, now, so you, basically, you are working on a program that, that somehow you can locate where a rap is coming from. Is that what I'm getting? And, and well, well, yes, yes. I mean, yes, yeah, so the sound location is, is quite a old technology, really. Um, and it's, it's used in industry every day. You, you can get um, professional devices, which unfortunately cost about £30,000 each, to um, locate troublesome noises on new auto engines, um, other aspects of industrial plant, etc., etc. Um, the, the principles are really, really quite simple. Um, as a, as a result of, of Barry's paper, it, it seemed obvious to us that if any further research was to be done in, into this, and we, we would have to record new sounds in a contemporary way with modern digital gear. Um, but it, it occurred to me quite quickly that there was no point, or very little point, in subjecting sounds to analysis unless you had evidence of where they were actually coming from. Because although, although human beings are reasonably good at telling the direction that, that the sound's coming from, mm -hmm. there, there, there are problems with that. And people's memories change um, from their memories of a, of a seance will, will change. They'll, they'll convince themselves maybe that the sounds are coming from the table, the, the sound right. table, whereas in, in fact they're not. <clears throat> so you need objective evidence that they are so, coming from there and then you so can start so is this a software or is this a, is a device it's a microphone array um, very very simple mm -hmm. um, can, consists of th uh, three good quality studio mics um, you record the sounds the, the, the mics have to be very precisely placed um, along an imaginary x-axis on the graph you measure the difference in time that the sound arrives between each microphone. Because you've got three mics, you've got um, three pairs of microphones, mm -hmm. and you use those each pair of microphone as what are, what are known as the foci of a geometri geometric shape called a hyperbola. And the hyperbolas... Um, their main geometric property is that um, they represent a difference in distance between any point on either of the hyperbola arms, and a hyperbola looks a bit like an hourglass. And the foci are two points either side of the, the waist of that. Um, now, because they essentially represent difference in distance, you can use that to ascertain where the, where the source of the sound is because you plot a hyperbola for each microphone pair based on the, the difference of time of arrival of the, of the sound mm -hmm. and where the hyperbola arms intersect is where the sound source is in theory. Okay. So, now, you, so Steve, I'm actually almost visualizing this and, and I, I, yeah. I could be wrong on it, but is this, I mean, would this be similar only on a micro scale to what most 
Stockton used to do with their, you know, when they used to have the little uh, diagrams of the, like, whatever building they would have, they would have the little bleep. I mean, would it do the same thing where you would have a, you know, single room and then it would map uh, where the sound is coming from with a, an indicator, or, or is it, are you, it, the technology is not there. Is this something you have to physically uh, map? A, pro- a professional system would be more like that. This system, which, which is very rudimentary, just plots. It only takes in, we, we deliberately only aim it at the place where we are pretty sure the sound's going to come from, which in our case is the sounds table. Um, and then afterwards you analyse the, the results and you have to manually plot them on a graph. And it is reasonably accurate with... Um, with normal wraps, if uh, with my tests here, and uh, when we used it in anger for the first time, as it were, a couple of weeks ago, it was accurate to within uh, one and a half centimeters of the true source. Um, the problem is um, trying to ascertain how accurate it is with the ostensibly paranormal paranormal wraps and. The work we're doing, doing at the moment is to try and iron out errors in the system so that we can be confident <clears throat> that the source of the paranormal wraps is as accurate as with the normal ones, which, of course, we know where they're coming from. So, so Steve, is, so Steve yeah. I mean, can you distinguish between a paranormal wrap and a, and a, some, a human wrap? I mean, is, it's not that sensitive, right? Um, well, no, the, the word paranormal in this con- context is a moot point to me. Uh, okay. w- w- what you have is a sound. Um, right. Yeah, so, so, so that sound could be, for example, creaking from the table. Um, okay. Gentle creaks from a table can't sound very... It could, could fool you into thinking that you're listening to something paranormal, whereas, whereas in fact you're not. So, <clears throat> so where the system will, will be useful... Is that, for example, if we, if we do a whole seance, and um, the other week we got 247 um, ostensibly paranormal raps, which, which is quite a lot, over, over the space of about um, two hours. If, for example, I analyse um, that data and find that all or most of the sounds are coming from the points of the table that we know may creak, then in other words... Uh, with a square table with four legs, it'll be likely to be around the joins where mm-hmm. the legs are, or with a circular table with a central support from the middle, then you can say that it's almost certainly that the, the creaking is playing it at least a part. If the, if the sounds all come from um, the, the medium's hands, or so, then, <laughs> then, then, then that looks pretty damn suspicious. But if, if they're widely spread over the table, coming from um, away from the creaking points, away from any, anybody's hands, and you're filming the table from the top and below, then that's, and you're confident about the accurate, accuracy, accuracy of the system, then that's, in my view, reasonable evidence that you can use as a starting point for looking into it further. Um, and so, yeah. Are you finding that there are any differences between the wraps that are being made, uh, the test wraps that are being uh, made by the participants, you know, uh, people just banging on the table while you're setting up the system, and these, yeah. you're, you're using the term ostensibly, pa- ostensibly paranormal wraps. 
Yeah. How are you? What are you using to say that um, you know? Uh, are they? How are they appearing to be different? Is it just the fact that nobody claims to make them, or are they in fact showing some difference? Um, so far, they've shown some difference, but we're we're still at the stage of ruling out normal causes. Um, in, in what way are they showing differences? Um, the there there appear to be two types so far. Um, and I've come to the conclusion that it might just be the amount of low-frequency content they have in them. Um, at one location where Barry um, conducted some work without me and sent the results, the polarity of the waveforms um, of the normal wraps was always consistent with being sounded on the top of the table by a knuckle. Um, the paranormal wraps varied. Um, sometimes they were uh, negative, which means if the microphone's over the top of the table, um, it's a blow from the top. And sometimes they're the other way around, which implies that the sound is coming up through the surface of the table into the mic above. And if you put the mic underneath, the pattern would be reversed. If you had one mic at the top, one at the bottom, um, which I've done here um, in tests, if you, if you do that and you knock on the top of the table, you will get... Um, initial po negative polarity from the top mic and positive from the underside. And I've found that it's, it's the same with reasonably vibrant surfaces like partition walls and, and stuff like that. That's one thing. Mm -hmm. um, I can't account for that at the moment. Um, I've done hundreds of test wraps. There's my um, right knuckle <laughs> testified testify uh -huh. to. It's actually rather sore at the moment. Um, so, so I, and uh, I actually got I got I actually got my kids doing it as uh, 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 as well. Um, I I actually have a couple of questions. So yeah, yes. sure. So first of all, you mentioned Barry. Are we talking about Barry John? No, we're talking about Dr. Barry Colvin. Uh, okay, I'm sorry, a, we, we did. All right. He's a, I, I've put a link on on the Togginet chat room, um, which is a link to the original paper that Barry produced um, that basically describes his research uh, and his discovery that the paranormal, the ostensibly paranormal raps that were coming from poltergeist cases were different um, and substantially different from normal test raps that have been done. Uh, so there is a link on the Tojina chat room to that at the moment. So, yes, I, I, I did have, I, I think it's important to emphasise that... Um, <clears throat> that um, myself and, and Barry, to an extent as, as well, have certain re reservations about those, those original um, observations. Because, of course, well, what we have to remember is um, a lot of those recordings were quite, quite old. We know nothing about, a little or nothing about the gear they were recorded on. Uh, what type of mics, for example? They were mostly recorded to tape, prob probably old, busted-up tape, to be honest. Um, that's the why the, the way most uh, non-professionals used to treat type records. <laughs> um, cheap mics, um, varying impulse response on the mics, um, no idea where the mics were positioned, etc., etc., etc. So there, there, there's lots in there, from everything from tape compression to other effects. Um, for example, if the sound was coming from around a corner, that would produce an unnaturally... Um, elongated attack phase, as would the, 
the, the type, type of microphone. So it, it was obvious that we, we, as I said before, we had to recall contemporary examples. Um, now, the, the other difference um, that um, I noticed from, no, not the last session we had, but, but the one before, where we weren't using the array, is where, whereas previously, the, in the recordings which Barry had sent me, um, that he did on, on his own with, with, with this group, I noticed no difference at all in the attack phase or the frequency content um, between the, the normal raps and the non-normal. Um, there, there just didn't seem to be any there. Um, on the, uh, the last but one session we did, there did seem to be some difference in the attack phase of the paranormal ones. I'm going to drop use of the word ostensible for the moment, just for the sake of simplicity. Um, so that, 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 that was quite interesting. Um, and I haven't completely given up on finding a normal explanation for it. The, the, there are one or two um, possible culprits there, which um, I'm going to try and rule out uh, for, for the next session. But um, but it's it's basically an ongoing thing, um, right? It, no, no. I mean, you can't come up with any conclusions after one or two experiments. You need oh, no, you know, no, no, enough no. sufficient no. data to uh, you know no. create a hypothesis on it. Anyways, but um, I actually have a question on it. So I'm I'm still trying to get this in my mind. You set up uh, three microphones, and in, in, in this and there is a seance table. Well, we are in a closed room. Yes, yes. All right, so we're in a closed-off room. The microphones, are they on the table or off the table? No, they're off the table. Um, okay. The capsules are aligned with the edge of the table, roughly, roughly, roughly level with it. So they're, they're aligned. Um, the middle mic is facing right down the centre of the table. Um, the two mics either side are exactly 34 centimetres um, from the middle one, and um, we, incidentally, the, the room isn't closed off in the in the sense of locked. Um, it, it's certainly not where we're actually in quite a large castle in Kent. Um, the castle's locked, but, but the room, but the room itself isn't. Um, oh, so this is <clears throat> this is actually in a in a castle. So now, okay, let's describe the room a little bit. I know we're coming up to the break. Uh, yeah. The floors, are we talking wooden floors? Are we talking wooden walls, wooden ceiling? Are we talking uh, stone? St stone walls, wooden floors, uh, I would say plaster ceiling. Um, okay. And the room is, the, the, the last room we worked in was probably about, I would say, 25 to 30 feet by 15. Okay. And... As far as participants in this, and, and I know we're just about going in the break, is that we have X number of people around the table, which would be, what, six, or I'm guessing? Uh, the last session there were five. There was myself and two work colleagues who I took along as a, um, impartial observers because uh, Dr. Colvin couldn't make it, unfortunately, mm -hmm. and the, the, the medium and, and her father. Um, because she couldn't go, get, get anybody else to go other than him, I assume. Um, 
Okay, we, the, we, we have to take a we have to take a break right now. So, uh, I want to get back into. I mean, we, we talked a little bit about the, the sounds and so forth, but we I want I want more. I'm interested as far as uh, the logistics of it, where where everybody is and what's going on, and and how you can actually pick up sounds. But anyways, uh, you're listening okay. to Ghost Chronicles uh, International with uh, Steve Parsons and our special guest Steve Holmes. If I said that right, and we'll be right back. I'm following yeah. messages on Pararex, Tojinet, goes Channel and Beyond. Welcome to Tojinet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. And I'm the lead investigator of East Bridgewater's Most Haunted. And we'd like to invite you to tune in. Ghost Chronicles, the next generation. Every Wednesday night. At 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on www.toginet.com. So, so yeah, what are they going to hear on this stupid show? What are they going to hear? They are going to hear things that they can't believe are happening. Like uh, Beyond Bizarre. And Cemetery Tripping. Oh, that's your deal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, one of these days you're going to get uh, so scared of one of these cemetery tripping things that uh, you'll, I'll have to get a new co-host. <laughs> I am brave beyond belief. Nothing yeah, we'll see. scares me. Except so anyways, if you're bored and you got nothing to do on Wednesday night, tune in to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Dan and Ron. See you then. And we are back. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Mr. Parascience, Steve Parsons. Uh, I forget it, Steve. Steve is not a doctor, is he? The other Steve? Uh, no, no, I'm certainly not a doctor. No, he's, uh, Steve Hume is a ex-performer professional museum, uh, musician, museum, oh, very former cool. professional museum, and... <laughs> um, 
basically a semi-professional sound recording engineer. And uh, he is yeah. he was yeah, I'm, with I'm, SDR. I'm a, I'm, I'm a professional systems programmer. That, 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 that's what I do. There you go. You program okay. stuff. All right. So yeah. uh, you listen to Coast Ghost Chronicles on uh, TojiNet, Parax, Ghost Channel, and beyond. And anyways, um, I, if you have a message, you can certainly join us in the TojiNet chat room or the Parax chat room with a question. But, uh, you know, I, I'm sorry I didn't mean to pull you off. Uh, you felt it, but I was just trying to get a visual. Us Americans are very visual, and we like to see things, even if it's in our own mind. And I think it's really cool that you are doing it in this uh, castle, which is, uh, you know, presumably haunted, I would assume. So uh, you've got well, that allegedly. fact. That, yeah. Uh, well, presumably, allegedly, you know, tomato, tomato. So there you go. But anyways, uh, by the way, I finally found out why there's so many castles in Wales, and that's because the English built them to keep the Wales and. Uh, actually, the majority, the majority of castles in Wales were built by the Welsh to fight amongst themselves. Really? That's not what I saw. The English just no. The English just built a big ring of them to keep the Welsh in. But the majority of castles in Wales are actually built by the Welsh. Oh, I did not know that. See, I saw a show and it gave the impression that uh, from PBS that it was the English who uh, built yeah, the, the bulk of them. Uh, well, Henry, uh, King Edward I built a, a, ri- a, a, a ring of a ring of castles around, predominantly the north of Wales. Um, mm-hmm in order to conquer it and suppress the Welsh. But pr- m- uh, for uh, you know, hundreds of years before that, and indeed afterwards, the Welsh uh, had their own system of fortifications and castles. So, uh, yeah, the majority okay. of them are actually built by the Welsh. So we digress. Let's, let's go back to our, our guest. I know you know that I, I, I have that ADD. I just go anywhere. Uh, so, St- Steve, uh, I mean, it's, it's really interesting. You have this uh, this room. It, it's in a castle. There are five to whatever number of people sitting around the table. You have your microphones close to it. Now, can these microphones, you know, distinguish, you know, knocks from the table and the, and the creaking of the table versus, versus, like, you know, taps on the floor versus someone tapping their foot on the floor or even, uh, you, you know, from the ceiling of the walls? Uh, so certainly from the walls, um, it accurately plays somebody slamming the toilet door in the um, corridor <laughs> outside, um, <laughs> which is quite a surprise. Um, I don't know. Well, for them as well. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, I, yeah, I, I basically got bored with analysing the rap site and thought, oh, I'll have a go at that and just see what happened. Um, from, from the floor, um, it, would, it would certainly pick the sounds up, but it wouldn't place them on the table. Um, if, if it did, it would be, would be by accident. Um, but it, it's going to take, a, at the moment, it's purely to pick the sounds up off the table and to develop the system okay. slowly and mm-hmm. then introduce more mics um, to give height. Um, if you introduce another two above the array of three, then you will that get it in three awesome. dimensions. Yeah. It's almost like parabolic, um, where you have one on a higher pitch. And um, the, the interesting thing is, is you, you know, a lot of times, like especially in the spiritualist movement, they all ask spirits to, you know, I mean, even with the, uh, you know, the trumpet and all that, this is done not on the table, but away from the table. Uh, so that, I, that you know, I, I would be interested in seeing if you could pick up other sounds away from the table. And, and that may be paranormal. Uh, that's what I'm Steve. trying to say. 
Am I correct yeah. in thinking that the system ultimately can be deployed uh, in a 360-degree scenario just to cover what Ron just talked about? So if you had a moving sound, it could be tracked using the system, couldn't it? Oh, cool. Yeah, yes, if you, yes certainly if you configured it that way and you had enough mics, yeah. Um, yeah. And the, but, but really, I, I think when you're, um, you would need a sound card that would take um, enough mics. Um, mm-hmm. So at some point, it does become prohibitively expensive. I mean, for me, it's, with this configuration, it's reasonably easy. I can take up to eight microphones. Um, but, I, but I think really, really my intention is, if this system can be proved to work well enough, then we may be able to use that to get funding for a professional system. Um, but but it, even, even that wouldn't be perfect. I mean, I'd, I would have to see it demonstrated um, to, to see if it was worth the uh, financial outlay. Um, right. I mean, I, in, I in reality, what we do not, is not perfect anyway. So, I mean, well, no, but, no, no, no. Yeah. I, I, I object very strongly to the idea that technology can solve all problems in this area. Um, I don't, I mean, I was trying to use um, infrared filming in seances as long ago as 95 and 96, when, when there was a very hot debate about whether or not it should be done in the spiritualist community. Really? And, uh, you know, well, well yes, the, 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 the pro camp seemed to think that um, if you filmed this phenomenon, then that, would, that was it, it would be proved. Um, which, it would, uh. which, of course, it would be, because you're always going to ask what's going on out of shot. And, and let's face it, conjurers fool people on TV every day. Right. So... So it, it can be a help, um, but it can also be a hindrance if you end up cluttering an investigation up with so much gear that, that, that you can't move. Um, well, that you, Steve, got, then do you consider so an investigation? Steve, do you consider it an investigation or do you consider it an experiment or research? I think there's got to be um, a difference between the it's, two. It's, it's, I, I would I would prefer experiment. Um, okay. you, you can use. I mean, words are interchangeable um mm-hmm. i mean you were talking about pseudoscience earlier but but, but really um i mean that pseudoscience is whatever you want it to mean um the, in my experience people tend to use that word when science they don't like um, yeah. offends their, their chosen world view um and, it, and it's it's something that, that, that to me is a little um childish and and it's and so i think some of the some of the words we use in this area are too loaded to be to be used in a scientific context. Um, and, and in actual fact, I, I think really the, the the success of paranormal TV, in, in my my opinion, is basically based on drama. I mean, if you watch these programs, there's actually if, if there is any genuine phenomena there, it's, it's actually quite a small part of the um, of, the, of the material of the program. And I think if in reality, if you um, filmed a real investigation, it, it would be quite boring um, to an to, to an can, audience unless you can. Get I, an can exact I leap in there? Um, yeah, yeah, just leap right a, in. It seems a very appropriate point to leap in because um, I can't go into huge details, but um, on this idea of filming a real investigation, it's exactly. Um, what, of course, so many people want to happen, and it's exactly what is going to happen later this year. Really? Uh, for well, that, an inter- that could be really good. 
Um, we've we've managed to uh, over the last few months. I've been talking to a uh, major international broadcaster who is filming a series of documentaries here in the UK um, in the summer. They're all booked and it's all all, all signed, sealed, and delivered. But it is purely a science focused investigation. It, there is no presenter, there is no medium, there is no celebrity. It is just a an investigation team doing what they do using science-focused techniques um, to portray accurately the the different stages that are, that are being used and employed uh, within spontaneous case investigation. So it, it can be done um, with a lot of care, and it can be made yeah, to be informative yeah. and hopefully a little bit entertaining. Uh, mm. This isn't reality television either. This isn't going to be one of these where the, you know, we we have squabbles off camera, and, mm-hmm. and this is, uh, you know, literally following the investigation process and watching that's 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 program. And that's taken. Did, did you, that's taken have you filmed any of this? Have you actually filmed any of this yet? I uh, know it's it's being filmed. Well, they're flying over to do the filming. It's going to take place in in the summer. All right, oh, cool. okay. So I, I was thinking about this earlier um, and wondering if if actually doing that would end up a, from the researcher's point of view would would end up being a, a distraction. Um, uh, do you, have you got any thoughts on that? Well, we are just, um, we've been thinking very carefully about the process. And what, we, uh, what we've uh, decided to do is we will do what we, uh, what we do in terms of an ordinary investigation um, because our expertise li- does not lie in programme making. Uh, we have a specific, yeah. uh, a highly trained documentary um, crew that's coming over to do it. And they are going to film all of the different stages. And as they have the expertise in putting together programmes, um, and then we have a say, obviously, in the in the way it's edited together. Um, we we as I said, we've been talking about it now for some months, um, and between their expertise in making programmes and hopefully our ability to investigate uh, locations, then we think that we have a formula that will work um, and will portray accurately uh, the the stages of a, of a location investigation. I'll be fascinated to see that. We will. You know, we do have a camera crew there, but they are a small camera crew, and we we factored them into the into the process as well. They're not part of the investigation team, but the investigation yeah. will actually be dealing with uh, the fact that they're there. It has to, uh, in order to be meaningful, because you know we have to take account in consideration of right. of you know them being in the location, but also the, and the difficulty is we have to take into consideration the fact that they will need. To to get certain shots um and so again we factored that into the equation uh really? we've worked out a, a set of what are called camera scripts and shots that are required um but the the entire 24 hours of the investigation uh itself will be uh entirely unscripted it will not be uh, reshot or staged or in any way tampered with it's just as we do it it will be filmed and then it will be put well, together into a program later hmm. well, good luck so hopefully we won't bore anybody to death if we've got our if we've got <laughs> it right yeah that, that's yeah. interesting because basically that's a documentary so that's just on it's not like a ghost show it's actually no, a documentary it's it's what sure. it, 
people people tend to remember me, Ron, for the half a dozen most haunted. Um, what I think what people don't really re- uh, remember me for is the forty or fifty documentaries um, that that I've participated in. So it's an area that I do have some some prior. Uh, yeah, prior prior expertise in doing, uh, and I'm much more comfortable with the documentary format, of course, than than the entertainment format. Right. Um, yeah, I, I can easily understand that if it, if it was treated in the right way. Just to, just to qualify what, what I said earlier, um, the, 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 it could be um, successful. Because I mean, personally, I would be much more interested um, to to see that that, that sort of treatment. On the on the subject, that, that, that's me speaking personally. Right. Um, I, I would assume there would be editing, though, because I mean, if you had twenty four hours of investigation, oh, yeah. that would yeah, probably absolutely. be the most boring show. In, on the- <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, there will be editing, but the editing will be in the form of time compression. Yeah. Um, because we're not going to we're not going to edit the events, but we do have to remove. You know. T- it's a, it's a one hour documentary. We're there for twenty. Well, we're actually there for forty eight hours, of which uh, a little over twenty four are on site. Um, so we do have to remove twenty three hours. Um, but the the program will actually be uh, made in. It, there are actually two programs: the shorter one, and then uh, it will be combined with another one to make a longer ninety minute one uh, for release early next year. Um, so. Yes, editing will take place, but editing is purely time compression editing. Right, you, which you need, of course. So let's go back to Steve and his seance thing. Now, it, it, am I wrong, or did, I, did you mention that you have two cameras, one above the table and one below the table? Well, actually, um, the, the, the last time there were three. Um, there were two above the table and one below. And... Um, that, that, that's there to give an objective view of, of what's going on between them. Um, but, <clears throat> but they are purely focused on the table because that is where the sounds are coming from. <clears throat> I mean, um, for, for, from my point of view, I mean, I have to admit, a lot of people might be appalled by this. I'm, I'm actually more interested in, from a technical point of view, in, in getting the microphone array working to an extent um, above, well, well, what it's actually re- recording. It's um, to me at the moment. <clears throat> it's 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 a case of putting in the work to get that right. Um, it doesn't really at the at the moment matter too much to me. What what whether the raps are um, not could be described as right. or, or paranormal. Um, right. To man after well, my well, own well, art, there, Steve, because uh, with the infrasound <laughs> stuff, exact the first three years, I didn't give a, I didn't really give a damn about the whether the infrasound was linked to the paranormal. It was purely about the technical side of making the infrasound recordable. So, well, yes, uh, yes I fully yes. empathise yeah. with 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 that uh, emotion. Yes, I mean, it, to to be honest, I, I've I've witnessed so much of this stuff. Um, <clears throat> I'm actually more interested now. Um, and the way people behave around the phenomena rather than the phenomena themselves. And it's been that way for, for, for quite a long time. Um, I've, I've come to f- um, find the emotional reactions that, that, that people have around this subject more fascinating than, than the phenomena themselves. Um, well, isn't that the correct witness- approach? Because um, what we're, re- what we're not, really interested... No, I think I, I, I think 
I think that, that is the correct approach because what we're surely interested in is people's experiences, people's accounts. Well, but yes, the, they are. The knocks, I mean, at the, the end raps. of the day, yeah, yeah at the end of the day, they are people's experiences. Yeah, the knocks, um, the raps, the temperature changes and all of the yeah. other physical phenomena are, are merely the cues and the triggers for people's experiences. So it's, it's not that surprising that you end up much more interested in the human reaction than the physical event. Um, and I, oh, think, yes. you know, I think a lot of ghost hunters lose track of that. I think they're much more interested in running around with full-spectrum cameras and, and measuring stuff rather than actually observing their own reactions and the reactions of witnesses. Yeah, and that can be quite fascinating, um, especially if you, if you attend a big seance, like the old NAS ones, where there'd be 80 or so sitters there with um, yeah, the, the more advanced mediums at, at that time. I mean, it, it was fascinating to w- wander amongst them and, and hear what, what they were talking about, their, their reactions to what they'd seen. Um, because, it, of course, there, there, there was a large variety of people there. I mean, you have to remember Richard Wiseman was a member of the NAS at one time. Oh, really? So, the, the, you know, well, yes, the, 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 there was the entire... And in actual fact, Richard was the only other person to use the NAS infrared filming gear other than me, um, which I, I, I found quite ironic. He used it to film a deliberately fake seance, and I used it to, to try and, and film a, a home circle. Um, and, um, and so the, the, there was the full spectrum of belief there. From I mean, the, the organisation was largely spiritualist or survivalist, I'd say, <clears throat> but but there were two, there, there there were people who um, sort of sat on the fence, perhaps like like, like myself, leaning marginally over to the left. Um, people like Richard who were probably got way over to the right. Um, <laughs> you say Richard Wiseman's a skeptic. Uh, oh no, never, never. Skeptic is not the word. That would be a slur. <laughs> um, be nice. And, to and so, so yes, it, it was. Um, and it was particularly interesting for me to observe the, the reactions of the work colleagues uh, that, that I took in the absence of Barry, because, of, of course, I was so busy with the equipment, I wanted somebody to be an independent observer. Um, and funnily enough, the, the one who claimed to be a believer was actually more sceptical about it than the guy who was more, more sitting on the, the fence at the end of the day. But the most fascinating thing of all was that their memories of it were totally different to what the audio recordings re- revealed afterwards. And so it, it just goes to show that, that, that to an extent, um, the more sceptical of the parapsychologists uh, are correct in their basic assumptions about the way that people behave around these things. Um, but, but of course, it can go. It can go either way. If you go into that situation expecting to see fraud, then you will see it everywhere. Um, in the same way that if you buy a particular model of car, all of a sudden you notice lots of other ones around. If you go in, into it from the other end of the scale, um, desperately wanting to believe it, then you will just ignore everything that that, that may point towards there being a perfectly normal explanation for it. And, and finding a balance, I would have to acknowledge, is quite difficult. Um, I tell these days, I, I, I do, you have to keep a, a very, very close watch on your, your own emotions about it. And these days, I find that I can swing violently one way or the other. In other words, if I see something that makes me suspicious, all of a sudden, 
I'm totally focused on um, finding the normal explanation, and it, it becomes quite exciting. Um, but it can easily easily swing the other way, and, and, and I think for the average human being, it is quite difficult to find that middle line of a, a objectivity, which is really necessary. Um, to a certain extent, you, you have to cut your emotions off and just get on with it, and, okay, and follow Steve, where, so- where the evidence leads. So having said that, I'm going, to, I'm going to throw you the $64 million question now. Yeah. Um, I know it's early days with your work on, on the seance room phenomena, the knocks and the raps that we talked about earlier. But give yeah. me, your, gu- give me your, your gut instinct, your hunch, your best guess. Do, do you think that you're recording evidence of paranormal raps? Um, and is there, and do you think that there will be a substantial difference between those and the man-made test wraps? Um, I think there will be a substantial difference, um, but that won't necessarily point to them being paranormal. I mean, there, there will be a fence, you see. <laughs> no, you can't. I've, I've been on the <laughs> fence so long; I've got an extra crease on my, my backside. Um, <laughs> It's 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 quite strange actually. I got to know um, one of the, the founding co-chairmen of uh, Psychop quite well, Marcelo Truzzi, and and he um, at the start of my association with me, he gave me a lot of help into research into scepticism that, that that I did for a couple of years. He asked me what my position was. Now. I remember Marcelo used to be accused by hardline sceptics of being what they called a wet sceptic, um, which to me meant that, meant that he was probably quite balanced in his approach to it. And I said, well, OK, Marcelo, in the same way that you're regarded as being a wet sceptic, I'm probably a dry believer. Um, <laughs> now, occasionally, <clears throat> I think, I think I've, I've occasionally become so dry I'm almost desiccated. Um, to the point where my skin's starting to flake off, but I would still probably lean slightly towards the left. If somebody was to ask me um, whether whether I believe in life after death, for example, I would say on a good day, possibly. Um, well, no, on a good day, probably. On a bad day, possibly. And that's about as far as I would go. Um, the, the, the reason I say that is that, as you know, Steve, I'm, a, I'm actually a healer. Um, and I've, I've had a lot of mediumistic experiences myself. Now, oh, wow. I, don't necess- I don't necessarily view those as being what spiritualists believe them to be. It's, I don't think the spiritualist conclusion is illogical, not, not, by, not by any stretch of the imagination. Would but, that affect your work, though? I mean, that's what, what I'm concerned. If you consider yourself uh, mediumistic abilities, would that well, affect your well, work? We, I, use, I, I use the word mediumistic with great qualifications. I experience a lot of people um, out there who don't consider themselves me, mediums mm-hmm. experience what spiritualists would call clairaudience or oral hallucinations and, and other, other kindred yeah. things. I, I, I know lots What's of people... What's that defense well, 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 yes. And so well, what I'm sceptical about, about the actual experience of it is that, for, for me, it doesn't quite tie up with the idea of, of survival. I can see how it can do. I mean, I've certainly had veridical experiences of my own but, or experiences which appear to be veridical, um, 
But I, I think, from my point of view, it's a lot more interesting to be uh, question, questioning of it and sceptical about it, because then you can notice things that somebody who went and joined a development circle to be a medium perhaps might not. Um, you, you tend to notice things that maybe weaken the, the spiritualist p- p- position a bit. Um, and, and the reason I do that is because, undoubtedly, these experiences are real. I mean, I'd, I'd be a stupid hip- hypocrite. Steve, I'm um, gonna have to, unfortunately, I'm going to have to stop you there because that was, okay. the, that was the doorbell and that was the pizza from the dead, so we, we have to wrap it Perfect. up. Uh, but before yeah. we go, I have actually one quick question for uh, your American counterparts over here. And, and ever since you started the show, I'm sure that they've all been thinking about this. Have you picked up any EVPs in your recordings? Um, not any that I would consider in any way um, paranormal whatsoever. Okay. What, was I asking you, Steve, parascience? No, but it's okay. a good answer from Steve Hume. Nothing that couldn't be better explained by art of, uh, digital artifacts in the, okay. in, in the sound. Good man. So anyways, that's, we'll actually have to do a show on digital artifacts because I think that's interesting in itself. But anyways, uh, Steve, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. Do you have a website or anything you want to push or organization? I don't. <laughs> I don't. That, that I, I kind don't of know. stinks. Because I'll, just, I'll just uh, get, get, get back on with it. Thank you for having me on. It's been, it's been a great pleasure. Okay. And, and is this work sanctioned by the SPR? Well, it's a... Barry and myself are certainly SPR members. Um, yes, it is. Yes. So, yes. <laughs> yes is the short answer. Okay. So, Steve, thank you so much for being on the show, and I, I really appreciate it. It was interesting. Uh, I think, you know, you'll have to come back and give us an update in, in the future and see what's going on with it. And, uh, and like I said, you gave me some great ideas. I, I'm certainly going to attempt this over here on a, on a different level than what you do, of course, because us Americans think a little different than the Brits, but that's okay. Um, so thank you for so being on the show. Okay. Steve, uh, you got anything you want to say before uh, we leave? No, uh, apart from great guest and good night. Yeah, and don't forget, October, uh, Steve Parsons will be coming over to New England, so uh, hold on to your uh, women, so there you go. So from Ron Kolick and Steve Parsons, it's time to say good night and tune in next week. God bless. Yeah, ooh, very good. Happy St. George Day. From goalies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord. This is Tom.